Welcome to Politicus, the only podcast that discusses politics and public service from the Portuguese-American perspective. Here we discuss everything from federal policy, local issues, and U.S.-Portugal relations with the goal of driving more discussion and awareness of the issues affecting our nation, our community, and what we as Portuguese-Americans can do about it. And now, Politicus. So thank you, everybody, for joining this, this episode of our FYI webinar series. We will also be live on Facebook, but we're also going to be posting this to our Politicus podcast and our YouTube channel. So hopefully we will all catch it somewhere on one of those platforms. Um, today we are talking about a topic that we just don't like to talk about in our community, which is addiction in the Portuguese community. Addiction is something that plagues people worldwide. Um, it's something that we talk about a lot in the U.S. generally, but not something that um, we like to talk about in our community. Um, just a couple of housekeeping things. If you are on Zoom, you can ask a question on the, the console through the chat module. If you're watching this on the Facebook feed, just type your questions down into the comments and we'll see it and we can address your comments at the end. Today's presenter is Alcides Machado, who is the president and founder of Portuguese Bon Samaritano Foundation. It's really, it's the only organization of its kind in the United States, which is addressing addiction in the Portuguese community specifically. And so thank you very much, Alcides, for being here today. It's a really important message and information to get out to our community. And so I'm going to hand it over to you. So just tell me when to click through the slides, Alcides. Thank you for having me uh, as part of uh, this webinar, and, and thank you for all you do for the community. I um, these are the type of, of um, events that we need to um, also focus on the webinars um, and in other meeting with uh, other individuals who have influence uh, in the community, such as you and and, and Paucus and and other organizations. Because that is true. We don't, we don't, we all have that we addiction in our, in our um, families. We all know somebody that knows somebody that either has a drug or alcohol addiction and gambling and so on and so forth. And we don't want to talk about it. And uh, I, I really think that it's an issue that's been long coming and, and uh, we, we should have, addressed it years ago, but of course, it's part of our culture to, you know, if we don't talk about it, maybe it doesn't exist, you know, uh, which is uh, unfortunate to, to a lot of us. It does happen in other cultures, but, you know, we're spe specifically talking about us Portuguese and, uh, and it needs to be talked about because it's a big issue. People don't want to talk about it for shame because obviously addiction is not a glamorous topic to talk about. Mm -hmm. This foundation is not a foundation that focuses on subjects that we all like to talk about and that we love to do to, to about our culture, but it's been forgotten, not forgotten because it exists, but it, it's been put under the rug. And, and I'm glad that we're now talking about it. I've been dealing with this for seven years because I've been sober for over seven years. Congratulations. That's, thank you. And that's why I, uh, I dedicated my life literally now to, uh, to help the ones in need. We do have Portuguese who are homeless. And how do you know? Well, I know because I go there. Uh, I stop and look in their eyes, you know. We drive through the, the streets, and I understand there's a lot of misconception about the the homeless, but we don't know, we don't understand it unless mm -hmm. we really stop and talk to them and understand their story, their life. Mm -hmm. People don't want to hear that we have Portuguese uh, homeless people in our communities. Uh, mm -hmm. We're talking about the valley, we're talking about the Bay Area, and it's a lot of them. As I have put uh, some numbers out there, and um, by meeting one, you meet another one, and that one gives information about another one, so on and so forth. So there's a community of Portuguese homeless people in our, mm -hmm. you know, and um, 
So part of helping anybody or anything is to get your hands dirty, you know, go out there and deal face to face with them. Going to people's homes whose family members are addicted, you know, uh, talking to the families. There's a, a, a misperception about the foundation that help that helps people who are addicted, but in reality, we're helping the families who are suffering as a result of their loved one being addicted. We're helping mm-hmm. the elderly who are being abused because of addiction. Uh, we're helping the children who are suffering because of addiction in their home. Mm-hmm. So it, it's not it's not that we are helping the a person who is addicted. Uh, we do. We offer the counseling and treatment and all that. But in reality, it's the families who are suffering the most, and that's the ones we also do outreach to. We offer a lot of information and referral because obviously there are cases that I cannot manage by myself here because I'm the only one who's a hands-on outreach person. We have a board. However, they have their their place to, to their own responsibilities to do, our treasurer, our secretariat, et cetera. They have their own hands full. So me being the only uh, direct outreach person here, there's so much that I can do. So I do refer a lot of people to a lot of other organizations um, mm-hmm. and uh, couples counseling, um, a, a children's um, network, uh, elderly um, abuse, uh, people who need help simply with, with emotional issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I do, I'm creating a network of different organizations that can work with us so I can refer people to. It makes my workload a little bit easier. So um, we do have, well now it's because of the pandemic, we, we we had to stop all of the meetings and everything. But yeah, we have this group support meetings on Tuesdays at seven o'clock. People who are contemplating going to treatment, people who have gone to treatment and, uh, and their families, they come and join our meetings. Um, I've had a group of up to 15 Portuguese people here that want to help themselves or families that want to help their loved ones. We, because of a lot of seniors being abandoned out in their houses, they don't really have anybody to talk to. We did the, the Senior Wednesday and they come here to socialize, they play cards. Um, you know, they, they just talk to each other, talk to another human being because we have a lot of seniors who are stuck at home. Right. We are st- yesterday, as a matter of fact, we, we I was talking to someone regarding later on when we are more more open, we can function better. Is to get volunteers that who will actually one person will pick one or two seniors and they will call them once a week at least, or check up on them more depending on the situation. But at least visit them if not once a week, maybe once a month. Mm. And, and that's but calling is very important do you need something do you need anything can i bring you something so we're trying to establish this group of volunteers that will check up on seniors so if uh, people out there are interested in volunteering no matter where they are they can get exactly. in contact with you because if it's just a phone call it doesn't matter where you are right so yeah if it's a phone call but um i've noticed and this happened when we went to deliver sopas when we did the free sopas delivery on may 31st mm-hmm. as a matter of fact this happened for, it had to happen because as people went out there, because we delivered to a hundred and something residents, you know, and at the end, people came to me, but I, I, I actually instruct uh, most of them to keep an eye on where they were going and study the person. A lot of the people were seniors who were alone and they probably would not have eaten sopas this year if it wasn't for us to deliver so mm-hmm. keep an eye on them, study them a little bit and, to see if they need uh, someone to check up on them, if they need someone right. to, to call them. So I got some of those results back. And that's where that idea came to call seniors. You know, um, yeah, a phone call. Some people want to be home and have their privacy, but they're they're good on the phone. So we can still mm-hmm. do that from anywhere mm-hmm. uh, because I do that. So um, that's one thing that we're really trying to to get volunteers to, um, to, to help. And we do the, the intervention pretreatment. That's something that we, um, again, we do interventions at families 
and either mm-hmm. here at the office or I go directly to their their residence, depending on the situation. So pre-treatment, you know, pretty much get the person ready to, mm-hmm. to, to go to treatment. People have this idea of going to treatment as um, an institution, you know, you get locked mm-hmm. up, you get, <laughs> but I went to treatment for alcoholism uh, seven, over 70 years ago. I know what it is so I can speak for, for what it is and how it is. It's not this monster. It's actually a very, um, very good training for the rest of your life. You know, that's what it is. You get trained on how to deal with your issues. You get mm-hmm. the tools to fix yourself, literally. So that's what it is. And so after I talk to the person who's contemplating going to treatment, it makes it easy, the transition. Uh, when somebody wants to go to treatment, I yeah, I talk to them. I literally go with them and drop them off at the treatment center. And um, we use a, a place here. It's Nirvana in Modesto. That's for women and, and also for men. We have a really good relationship with them. And as the person, when I take someone to treatment, I have easier access to, to the treatment place. So I can also visit them off visiting hours, you know. So just make their their experience a little bit more easier, you know. Mm-hmm. So. I think it's a good thing that you, it's a good point that you bring up in terms of this misconception that people might think, oh, I'm going to have to go to a hospital. I'm going to be locked away for a week. And, and while there are those places, that's not always kind of what you're talking about. I think the other th- important thing to point out is that people might be saying, well, there's, there's treatment, you know, there's organizations all over the place that help with this. Why do we, why do we need one that's, you know, focuses on the Portuguese community? And the thing is it's different, right? There's some cultural nuances and we, we, you know, you and your volunteers, you, you know, how people in our community will react. What's the stigma? What's the, you know, and so it's, it's, and it's different than going to, let's say an AA meeting where you don't know anybody, right? So no one's going to go gossip about the fact that you went there. And so that's always a concern for people, right? And so, you know, the fact that you have 15 people in, in a group, I, I think that's fantastic and, and very brave of those people to take that step, you know, and, and be willing to, to join this group. So, I mean, I don't know who those people are, but I, if you're listening, I would say, you know, congratulations and, and keep going. It's really very brave for sure. There's something about counseling someone in their own language and knowing the culture, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, because when I was doing internship at the Nirvana Institute, I um, a lot of because I speak fluent Spanish, so a lot of the the, the Spanish speaking uh, we call clients would come to me and talk to me about their feelings and, and, and their issues in their own language. So most of them would come to me because I'm not only speaking their language, I understand pretty much a lot of the culture. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so it's easier to, to talk about it. I mean, and when someone that's Portuguese, first of all, I am obligated to keep confidentiality mm-hmm. by the state. It's so important to know. It's, mm-hmm. it's, yeah. And, and the thing is, I as a person understand, especially in our culture, understand what it is to to not let some information out because, I mean, it's just, it's an explosion, you know, it's easy. A bad news goes way further than if good news. And we all know that. So they know they can confide in me and they do. There's a lot of issues. This is why I, I speak the way I speak. This is why I talk the way I talk because I, coming from the individuals that come to me and they tell me their lives, literally, uh, mm-hmm. we have a lot of issues, mental health issues, you know, and this, yeah. this brought, it was brought up. We have a lot of mental health issues that we just, again, just, oh, you know, she's nervous. Oh, he's nervous. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, mm-hmm. it's, uh, so we just have to understand that um, many of our Portuguese people also suffer from PTSD, you know, and that being because back and today, uh, I mean, if we don't talk about the issues now, imagine back in the day where people could not 
say anything. Anything, yeah. And PTSD, for those who don't know, it's post-traumatic stress disorder. Right. Um, which is brought on by any number of things. It doesn't always have to be a violent act, right? It, it, exactly. it, there's a lot of different types of trauma. Yeah. Even being a cancer survivor can bring on PTSD. Yeah, the, yeah. there's so much. And then the thing is, is um, when someone tries to talk about the issue, there will always be, uh, uh, you know, I'll let it go, let it go. Okay, it's easy to say right. let go. Because we don't, we're not interested. So, so we just say like, go. But the person keeps on thinking about the issue, and and so I even seniors that talk to me about their experiences years ago that have left a mark in their for the rest of their life. Yeah. You know, I, I have people who who had one incident, one bad incident in their childhood, and that marked them. For, I mean, mark their relationships, uh, mark mm-hmm. their w- w- with their significant other or with their children, what have you. It just we Absolutely. we have, yeah, and they never wanted to talk about it. So, um, and, and that's another thing about informing the community about what we do as an organization. You mm-hmm. know, here I am sitting at my office. We're paying rent for this this building where we uh, have private meetings. We have the group meetings. We have the seniors coming in. Um, people, a lot of people don't understand what Portuguese Bon Samaritano does, you know, it, and it's not just a, a drug and alcohol issue here. A lot of the things that we, a lot of programs that we have, have sprung out from addiction, you know, like immigration problems, you know, mm-hmm. we deal a lot with immigration because obviously if somebody did drugs at some point and got in trouble, blah, 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 they end up having immigration issues. So, and then from that and that, and then we, we just started accumulating more and more programs in, in, in our organization because after all, well, if we take care of, a, of, of an immigration issue, or maybe we can take care of a, a retirement issue. And we had someone who was homeless and he really didn't realize that he could get his retirement because he's about almost 70 years old. He had never gotten his retirement. So we took care of that issue. Oh, wow. Yeah. Things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so trying to, to do, to do these uh, programs costs a, a lot of money to keep this place going. Mind you that I'm here seven days a week, you know, normally 10 in the morning to 10 at night, because at night, a lot of people are out of work and they are available to come here or to talk, you know. The homeless problem again. I, I I cannot stress it enough. Uh, I have been told to get out of Hilmar. I have been told mm. that I am a disgrace to the Portuguese community because I bring up these issues. About twenty eight people in San Jose are Portuguese people, mind you, are homeless. You know, Hilmar Turlock. They walk up and down here. Okay, so uh, Los Banos. I was not too long ago next to a canal under a tree where a tent is, where a young man is living, you know, and that young man knows another eight or seven, you know, young men and young ladies who are living out in mm-hmm. Los Banos, the scene area. Uh, Mantica Trace, I mean, you can so, so why, do, why do you think people don't know about, I mean, obviously these, these folks have families somewhere. Is it that or they have traveled to other areas. I mean, I will say as someone who lives in a Portuguese community, I would have never guessed that we have these kinds of numbers and not that they're total number of, of that we have. Right. But I mean, I think if you asked anybody in the Portuguese community, how many Portuguese homeless do you think there are in San Jose? They'd probably say oh, fathom in their mind that there could be a Portuguese homeless person. So how do you, how do you, why do you think that these folks unnoticed essentially well because you know normally it's like not in our community not portuguese you know mm-hmm. uh, we don't want to accept that that, that we're not perfect you know <laughs> we all have us yeah so yeah we are proud and they always said this and again i i i speak the way i speak because i i'm there physically you know mm-hmm. Uh, it, and what happens is a lot of people, they don't want, they don't want to hear that we have a, a homeless Portuguese people. I, I have a few meetings and they're like, oh, come on. 
I use stereo. So we have Portuguese people who are homeless. And I'm like, what bubble do you live in? Because people really sometimes live in a bubble. Yeah. And, and, and they don't allow themselves to be a little bit more open-minded from, from the, the world that they live in. And really, and, and by the way, I always hear, you know, proud and proud to be Portuguese. These t-shirts, proud yeah. Portuguese. Okay. Well, let's be proud and, and help out the ones that are in need. Yeah. Okay. When, and, and this is how you find out more by experience. When I was in my active in my addiction to alcohol, okay, I was put to the side. See, mm. you're no good. It's like, you know, you're no good. Just like a lot of Portuguese people that are out there homeless, it's because they're, you know, I know that many of them don't want help because it comes back to the mental health. Mental mm-hmm. health, if somebody is not okay, I don't think anybody ever, from childhood, I don't think anybody, uh, if you ask, what do you want to be when you grow up? Oh, I want to be a drug addict in the homeless. Yeah. No, you don't. That's not the answer. Somewhere along the way, some things happened, you know, and we can blame or point the finger. Something happened that led that person mentally, uh, physically, whatever, to get to that point. And what better opportunity for all of us as Portuguese to get that person, just like the foundation does, and turn their life around, you know. So that that's that's an argument that I always have. But uh, that's what I'm saying. You know, we, whatever reason somebody got to that point of being homeless or, or drug addict or alcoholic, it, the fact that they are, what a better opportunity for us as Portuguese and be proud is to actually uh, help each other. You know, not kick them right. to the curb, literally when they are in a bad shape. We're doing it backwards. Right. You know, when somebody's all good and, and their tie and everything, it, it's all nice. But then uh, when somebody is down, it's almost like we want to stump on them. And we have to be very careful with that because we're all human beings. And, and, and if we don't take that step to help each other, then we're no better than the one on the side of the road or any other culture. You know, right. we blame other cultures like, oh, if my daughter wasn't hanging out with, with that, whatever, I'm not going to mention <laughs> other cultures, then not, none, none of this would have happened. Uh, and that's another thing that comes to racism is like we, mm-hmm. we, seem, we seem to blame other races for our issues when mm. our race sometimes is the start of another issue. Uh, yeah. We have, like I said, alcohol cases right now that are active in within our organization. I'm dealing mm-hmm. with, yeah, about 57 cases. Two more just came in yesterday. Drug cases. Uh, yeah, it, because our average, the older you are, the alcohol has, seems to be more of the, of the problem. The younger right. ones mix the alcohol and drugs, and the drugs are really kicking on, on, the, on the younger ones, uh, on their 30s, 40s. Uh, domestic violence. I have someone call every once in a while, mostly women that call for help because their husband is not just physically abusing them, but mentally abusing them. And from mm-hmm. that, the children are suffering. The elderly, which is, or, or the in-laws, whatever, they are suffering too. So I get calls at yeah. minute, yeah. minute, you know. So we, we, and I try my best to do what, what I can, being the only one here, you know. But somebody has to do it. And, and if God chose me to do it, so glory be to him, you know, and that's the way it is. So it's, it's, um, it's interesting that, your the, the path of the organization has really expanded, right? Because I think you started with addiction, but now you're uncovering some of these other issues like domestic violence. Yeah. Um, and that has been something that, you know, I think people have tried to raise awareness about for a long time. But to your point, everyone just says, don't talk about that. You know, that doesn't happen in our community. Oh, he just he just got upset or she just got upset, you know. So, but it is a very real thing. And so it's it's so important that people see these numbers. And I know that you focus mostly on California, but you I think you said you do have some people from other states that have reached out to you as well. Is that true? Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. Uh, from from uh, the other parts of, of the United States and even even Portugal, uh, because now you fa- we FaceTime, we we talk on the phone, and and the, and I put myself available to to these people because again, people are suffering. 
you have no idea how how much people are suffering in silence. You know, and now I'm trying to also be is the voice for those people because you have, you know, you have an abused abused husband, for example, and for the macho, the the macho culture in our Portuguese men, you don't want to admit that the woman beat you up, and and there are a lot of cases on on that. You know, and sometimes they just need to talk about the issue or the issue yeah. that their that their wife is also addicted or their wife is is an alcoholic. You know. So it's even harder sometimes for a man to keep the, that secret of being abused than it is to a woman. However, women's cases as victims, there's a lot. There's a lot. Yeah. So I know we have a few slides that just talk about broad statistics about, you know, drugs in the U.S. Um, and drug-related deaths, which are quite high, you know, according to the CDC. And this was only as of 2018. Um, Alcohol-related deaths, which includes alcoholism, right? Um, just straight, right? Uh, I mean, anything, to death. Yeah, uh, um, alcohol poisoning. Uh, a lot. I mean, you'd be surprised um, how many people just. Oh, he was sick of something, or he was. Uh, he, um, there's always an excuse to cover up what it is, but mm -hmm. in the hospitals, there's a reality of yeah. Oh, he has some liver issues. No he or she died from cirrhosis of the liver because mm -hmm. of, they just don't put because of alcohol, you know. How is it? Yeah. Yeah. So it's hard to talk about that. And so, here we go. The, yeah, the, domestic violence, yeah. Yeah, domestic violence um, uh, that we touched on. I mean, it's, and you see there the, the information on uh, one in four women and one in seven men. Um, they've been victims of physical. I mean, you'll be surprised mm -hmm. what makeup does to women. I don't know how. Mm -hmm. Well, the men men will say that they got they got in a fight yeah. with another guy, or or that they were out there at work and and, and bumped their head. But you'll be surprised what makeup do uh, yeah. to who are abused. And that's a pretty high rate for men as well. And then again, something that people either are unaware of or don't want to admit. You know, to your point about the, the machismo aspect that no one, no man wants to admit that they are abused by their wife. But that's a that's a fairly high rate surprisingly it, it is and and uh mm -hmm. i've had cases where you see i mean people do come to me because uh especially the ones who don't speak much english and they need to express themselves in in the portuguese language because how do you send a portuguese person to a counselor uh or a psychologist or what have you that speaks only english and even in the spanish it's still not our culture you know mm -hmm. I, yeah. I i i speak our culture I speak our language, you know, and, and they feel more at home and, and, and more of an understanding from my side uh, that they can really talk in, in a comfortable way without worrying about what word I'm going to use, but how I'm going to uh, express my, my, my feelings. This is, I think, really important, too, because we're all dealing with the pandemic, right? And a lot of us are stuck at home or have at least severely limited our you know, where we go and how often we go out, you know, how, let's say somebody knows about an, you know, some abuse that's happening or that, you know, somebody's, they're, they're witnessing somebody drinking more than normal or things like that. How does the, how does it work? Do they call you and they explain their situation? And then how would, do you advise them to talk to that person? Do you call that person? Like, how does the process work? Because I think there's a lot of us that, are thinking, ah, I know somebody who could probably use some help, but that person's never going to ask for help. So how do you get them help? It, there, there's, you know? Especially very, during this pandemic. It's very sensitive. This, this whole thing is very sensitive. We have to act very cautiously around this issue. Uh, and by the way, during the pandemic, people, a lot of people called because they, they were having panic attacks. They were having mm -hmm. uh, people who used to, drink on weekends you know come work hard out there etc and get home you know i deserve a beer i deserve a shot or something whatever mm. they got stuck at home and they started drinking every day and and they discovered that they were alcoholics and then mm. after that uh some of them reached out because they needed help but the treatment places were closed so i was left like oh what do i do mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. but the issue about well I I have calls like 
And unfortunately, mental health um, has not been addressed enough in this country because um, there are people who are literally abusing their family left and right, and there's nothing that the police can do. There's nothing that the doctors can do. You can just get somebody here, go to treatment, you know. Uh, it's, it's, we have our hands tied in a sense that we can't just force somebody to go to treatment. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, somebody has to really commit a crime, okay, mm-hmm. to be put in jail. And then a judge, only a judge, can force someone to go to treatment or else. You know, I've had cases that that's exactly what happened. Because you, you cannot force someone to go to treatment. And, and a lot of these people, and they are abusing, like I said, abusing their families. They know that. So they know how to play the game too. Right. So it's become to a point that you put somebody on a mental health um, hospital, they can only be there 72 hours and that's it. You, you're out. And sometimes it just, it's just a, a you know, revolving door. They just go in, go out, and, and they come back and do the same thing. So the mm-hmm. laws are in such a way that it's very hard to, to send somebody to treatment against their will. But some, I get some people like, could you call my brother? Because uh, could you call my son? I can't just pick up the phone and call. The phone and call, yeah. That is so, so maybe, unethical. Yeah. So maybe, you know, we need to put together some materials on, and maybe you already have these, and we're going to talk about that, but... If you know somebody that needs help, here's a, a pamphlet you could give them. Here's, you know, we encourage you to bring them to this group. You know, maybe we should you know, we help host some Zoom support groups since you can't do them in person mm-hmm. anymore. You know, there's a lot of things that maybe we could do, A, to let people know that there is a resource for help out there. And, and two, that, um, you know, even though you can't go somewhere physically, you know, here are some actual steps and other things that, that you can do. So I mean, that's something that you know, can right. be worked on. And, mm-hmm. yeah, and the, the, the thing is, a lot of people, um, the issue is like, what do you mean I have a problem? You guys are the ones with the problem. You know, this, oh, we yeah. get that a lot. So it's a lot of resistance. And, and many times is the person literally, uh, when they hit bottom, that's when they start looking for help, you know. And, mm-hmm. and I always say the person has to call me because the fact, of picking up the phone and calling me, it's one step. It's already one step towards. So, um, and, and and that's a lot of um, talk that we need to do uh, to our Portuguese yeah. community. So, yeah. uh, this more. is an important point, I, I think, um, here, especially when it comes to, to children and you're talking about how, you know, the addiction part, it's not just the person who's addicted that is affected, it's, it's the families. And if, you know, if there's any, anybody that you're going to do anything for, it's children because they're vulnerable and, right. and can't defend themselves. Um, and it's, it's not a surprise that, you know, you have your child protective services are seeing a significant increase in calls. So, you know, from, from your perspective, I don't know if, if you have seen an increase in, in, you know, abuse towards children specifically. Um, but, you know, I think that's it you know, as a community, we are very uh, protective of our children. Mm-hmm. And so that would be a motivation in itself, right? To seek help and try and get others help. Yeah, uh, well, we do have, uh, there's also <coughs> this, this fear of, of uh, being discovered that the children are suffering because God forbid the Child Protective Service comes and gets your kids out of the house, you know, mm. then the whole secret is out, you know. So, a lot of the suffering that these children are going through is also part of that keeping the secret type thing. But um, there are uh, either neighbors or friends or something who will see that and they will call so they can do a, a wellness checkup. You know, so there has to be uh, these calls. They they increase definitely because of just what I what I just said. They used to drink mostly on weekends. Now they're home. A lot of couples uh, are together, like for the first time, <laughs> all the time, yeah, all the time, and yeah. so they they rediscover each other and they argue and they uh, and and these months that we had uh, of people staying at home really did a number on on 
domestic violence, divorces, divorces. Mm. Uh, a lot of people file for divorce because, you know, they just don't get along. And these kids are, are supposed to be learning at home, but no, they are listening to their parents yell at each other. So, yeah. uh, and, and this, a lot of this due to drug and alcohol uh, abuse. So, um, it's a job that never ends, you know. Um, it's it's not easy to deal with um, alcoholism and drug addiction. It makes it even a little harder to deal with it in our culture. Mm-hmm. So it makes the job a little bit a little bit harder. So, um, yeah. but again, that's why your organization is so needed, right? Because people need someone who understands the nuances of being Portuguese and and the stigmas that are seen within the community and they can relate to you. Like you, you, you don't, they don't have to explain to a non-Portuguese group, you know, support group. Right. Why the, perhaps the the traditional methods aren't going to work here because, Mm -hmm. you know, we're extra judgmental. We're, you know, extra in denial. We're in, you know, there's a lot of things that kind of go along with being Portuguese that, you know, you, you and your staff have the knowledge because you're Portuguese, right? Yeah, and, you know and, and I've been trying to reach out to, to other Portuguese organizations of such for uh, not only the financial help that we, we so much need, because we, we're non-government funded, mind you, mm-hmm. okay? We, we pay our, our, our rent and electricity and all that just by the fundraisings that we do. So I reach out to other organizations that not only for, like I said, financial reasons, but also to spread the word. And you'll be surprised how many Portuguese organizations don't really want to go there. You know, they don't really want to touch the subject and they just put it aside. I've had people uh, attend dinners uh, on my behalf with uh, brochures to, and, and the people were told, ah, this is not really the place for it. You know, so this, yeah, and this is now Portuguese uh, Portuguese community. And so we really need to engage more with each other. I do have quite a few, as far as law enforcement, I'm gathering uh, a list of um, not only people as attorney, Portuguese attorneys, but also mm-hmm. uh, people in law enforcement uh, that deal with parolees who speak Portuguese. Um, I'm um, We're getting in contact with them because they can also help us in one way or the other as far as law enforcement. And we, we, I discovered that we have quite a few Portuguese people who are in, the, in, in law enforcement, which I um, want to get more uh, information and get more. Um, yeah, that's actually um, a good thing to put out there. So what kind of volunteers are you looking for? You So you said people in law enforcement, attorneys. Educa- attorneys, educators. Educators, um, uh, p- people that deal with health, like public health, maybe nurses, maybe s- those in, social in psychology, yeah. social we have uh, We have Margaret Peake, who's, who's wonderful at uh, uh, being involved with the organization because as a social, social worker, she really uh, has started doing wonderful work for us. Recording volunteers, again, here we go with the seniors, having somebody that has, I can call one or two seniors, you know. Uh, people that, I mean, we, we because we've expanded so much, we need people in all kinds of areas because I don't mm-hmm. know everything. I know what I know, but I don't know what I don't know, you know. Right. So, and it's... Um, to educate the, the, the community about the foundation. What is it that we do, you know? Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of misperception of what we do. And mind you, we don't have that much help from the Portuguese media either, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, again, we're not this glamour organization. We deal with homeless Portuguese. We deal with drug and alcohol addicts, you know? So we don't fit some social types uh, in, right. in, in, in the community. And so we've been pretty much upcasted by, by a lot of organizations just because they don't want to go. It's there. really unfortunate. It's unfortunate to hear because we do have a lot of halls and clubs and organizations that could help spread the word about this resource. And, it, you know, it's only doing a disservice to the community to not let people know that your organization exists because people out there need help, whether people want to admit it or not. It's there's a need. We, I mean, we do an event, for example. I mean, let's say at the end of a festa, you know, you're cleaning the hall the next Monday after, you know, and you mm-hmm. look back, did you save a life? Mm-hmm. You know, um, mm-hmm. you, you know 
other events that I've seen in the Portuguese community that that I look for donations, I look for for their understanding. I look for I there's a hall right down the street where we were going to do a dinner. It was reserved for it was for free, of course, because it's hard to pay the rent for our rent here, much less to rent a hall. Mm-hmm. And a few days before the event, they called. You know what? We had a meeting, and we you know we really can't give it to you for free, so it's going to be two thousand dollars. Well, two thousand dollars is what we um, pay for somebody's treatment. Because if somebody cannot go to treatment, they cannot afford it, we Mm -hmm. try to get money to pay for that person's treatment Mm -hmm. also. Uh, So, and and it was just a slap in the face, just like other organizations that I send a letter asking for help. In that fair meeting, they ripped the letter apart and put it in the garbage and left. So- Oh my God, really? It happens so, in our communities, in our Portuguese homes. So we just got a question, Elsie, which is exactly kind of what you are talking about. And it says, how do we go about solving the stigma around these open discussions, especially since it appears that our community does not want to discuss alcoholism or drug abuse? I mean, I think just forcing the, con- like having more conversations, more of these, right? So talk, more Zoom talk, conversations. Talk about more, it. Yeah, just talking about it. Talking so about it. we need to do more of these then, you know? And, um, and if, instead of crossing misinformation, call me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm working, uh, we have two brochures, one in English, one in Portuguese. Um, and uh, yeah, this is the, the letter that we write, you know, these are two, and I'm actually doing one that's mm-hmm. English and Portuguese because it's hard to afford mm-hmm. to, to uh, print 200 in Portuguese and 200 brochures in English. So. I'm trying to do one so we don't we have less expense, but um, th- these brochures pretty much go deep in the information of what we do, mm-hmm. uh, and and just one of my uh, hopes is that we are proud to be helping our community. Yeah. you know, and as yeah. we have we have about a hundred uh, organizations uh, in 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 California, you know, that I ask. To help us, I know that they give yeah. fifteen thousand to to this organization, twenty thousand to this, or ten thousand, or five thousand. I'm not asking. I'm not asking to transfer that money to us. But instead of five thousand, if you give four thousand to them, one thousand to us, that would be really good. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it, because we are saving lives, and I'm telling you that yeah. there's no other organization that I know, Portuguese in the United States, that saves lives. Right. You know, one of the things that you guys have been doing, and I, I, you know, we should have included a screenshot here, but you've posted so far, I believe, two case studies, if you will, of people that that you have helped, right? One was a gentleman. That's up to three now. And I think that is incredibly important because you're putting a face with the problem, right? And it's not just this nebulous thing that's out here. That's it affects other people. It doesn't affect me, right? Because I and I remember the first person you put out there. I had known him most of my life, and it and I had no idea, right, that he had a problem. And it was so. It was. I think first, I I think it's great that you're doing that, but I also think it's very brave for these people to be willing to share their story, because again, they're they're making them they're putting themselves in a vulnerable position, you know, in the community to be criticized and what have you, but the the positive impact that they will have serving in as an example that you can make a change that you can get help and that this organization is helping i think that's such a more much more powerful important message than worrying about what as they say the mashidi kadish yeah <laughs> are get, are going to say about you right um so i think that has been incredibly helpful and and thank you for doing that continue telling those stories yeah. And um, thank you to the, the three of those individuals that have shared their stories as well. Yeah, because I, I have uh, um, in some of our events, fundraising events, there's always the speculators and people who who are who go there just to to really sometimes just to check and see what, what's going on. And um, mm-hmm. I had quite a few people come to me. What is the people that do you help? What was the people mm-hmm. that you help? I mean, this is confidential. This is highly confidential Confidential. it's about somebody's private life sure and for somebody i mean i i knew i had to do this i'm a very public person you know that and it was not easy but 
I needed to say, I went to treatment for alcohol abuse and this is what I am now. Mm-hmm. And I want, I, my, I, my, my life now has become this to reach out and help other people, you know, and, uh, and for them to, to come out and tell their story. Yes. I, 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 I love that. And it's okay, really powerful. This app that, that we, it's, and by the way, please look on, we only have it on Google play for now. Then we're going to get on, on the other uh, iPhones and stuff, but uh, to put it on iPhones, it costs a hundred dollars a year. So that's another cost for us. Hmm. What on Google Play, our app was only $25 and it's playing, but you know, it costs an extra $100 a year to put on iPhones. But this app, okay, is being built and maintained by a homeless Portuguese kid that was brought to me four years ago. Okay. Hmm. He's got a job, he's gotten married. Okay. And he's in his taking courses online because he's actually building video games. Very smart kid. He was just That's out, fantastic. It was just unfortunate that he was living on the streets. Okay. So, and by the way, when we give out these scholarships and we have these ceremonies and all that, this is a kid that needs a scholarship. He's working, yeah. paying for his, his own education, yet, yet he's building this app for us for free out of his own heart. That's a kid that That's needs amazing. a scholarship. That's a great case. That's another story that's very powerful to share. Yeah. Um, LCJ, I want to just be cognizant of time. We have about seven minutes left to get through the rest of our slides. The good thing is that this is being recorded. Uh, it will be shared. We'll have the PDF of the slides available. Those will be shared. Um, and I think we should do more of these. But uh, I know we do have a, a couple more slides to share. Here's a, a flyer from one of your, your events. So I would say if there's any other organizations out there that are willing to host an event, like you said, give the venue for free, perhaps donate the food. Um, there could be lots of organizations that come together to make that happen, but you know, it's, it's a good number to know that it costs $2,000 to treat one person. Right. So at a minimum, we're, we're raising funds for treatment of, of those who are addicted. So it's really important to know those numbers. And I I really want to thank Carl's Vieira foundation for their interest in helping us. They Mm -hmm. have been very involved. Carl's Vieira foundation has been a blessing uh, in these past two years of really supporting us and the and i um, my head goes out to them 5150 all that that they do uh and they do have uh, a program for um for prevention of uh drug abuse also hmm. so uh, we are very connected on that and i i want to really uh thank them for for being there for us uh, just that's great to know yeah that's great to know really good to us. And so a have- call out to everybody watching, listening, that um, go and like the Bon Samaritano Facebook page. You're on, are you on Twitter, Instagram? Uh, what are some of the other social media? Instagram, uh, uh, Facebook. We're trying to get out there. I, <laughs> I, I, I try to do as much as I can on my own. It's been difficult because I'm a trained listener also. Today I have to talk a lot. But I'm a trained listener, and while I'm on the phone with someone or or face to face with someone, it's hard to be, you know, working social media. So mm-hmm. um, and really, like I said, we only have these uh, Portuguese radio doesn't have us, so we're just depending on social media. And uh, the Portuguese newspaper has been great. Uh, it's been really good with us too. So but, that's good to hear. Yeah, we're we're trying our best. You know, I just I want to thank everyone who has reached out. And please just spread the word and, and educate yeah. each other of what we are. And it's okay to talk. It's okay mm-hmm. to help another Portuguese person who, that's down. You know, mm-hmm. I made this pledge to God and to myself that I want to, uh, that I'm, that I'm, music is my part-time thing. I'm dedicated here. And we're, do, we're doing this for free, mind you. Mm-hmm. You know, we're doing this for free. Right. So, I right. mean, I, I could make this a business, but this is not what I'm about. We're about helping people out there, not making mm-hmm. money. Unfortunately, some people, if they don't see money coming, they don't want to, they are not interested. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll serve so free, you know. Yeah. Uh, the government. So here's some, yeah, here's some information. Oh, the government, the Assorge is giving you a thousand euros a year. So it's, yeah, and that, you know, that, that, that it's helps. It's helpful, you know. 
Um, But here's an opportunity if anyone out there, you know, would like to make monthly donations or a yearly sponsorship, you know, you have here $500 or $50, but truly any amount would help. Of course, more is always helpful. Um, Your email address is pbsfusa at gmail.com. So for those who want to get in touch with you, whether it's to donate or to seek help. Right. Seek help. So and they can is, yeah. call me at my numbers everywhere. Uh, we're also, I put BBSF USA because we have BBSF Azores coming soon. Oh, oh so, okay. That's, yeah, that's another that's topic for us to talk some other time. Yeah. So. Well, thank you. We are, you know, at our time, but um, again, we could talk for hours about this. I, I yeah. you know, you have my commitment that we will have another conversation, another webinar about this topic. Uh, maybe we'll bring on some of those folks that have shared their stories and they can share their story and, uh, you know, connect with some people and encourage those who need help to seek the help that they need. Um, but thank you for starting this organization. Um, thank you for all the people, you know, all the help that you have given to the community, the lives that you've saved. I mean, it's, it's uh, incredibly noble work, Elsie. So put a bench to you and your staff. It's thank really you. Great. I want to thank my my board my board of directors and and all the volunteers that do a wonderful uh, job and uh, and uh, uh, there are um, the Buhek Pentecost and Cross Valley Pentecost who have given uh, their hall once a year for us to do at least two events per year, which does help a lot. Uh, although we need more events per year in other cities, but um, and everyone else who's who's uh, thank you. For, for having interest in this and doing a wonderful job that you do for the Portuguese community and everyone else that um, that's out there that one way or the other have helped us with donations and, and um, you know, God bless all of us Portuguese and, and may us be, may we be more understanding uh, of our difficulties and let's lift, lift each other up, you know. It's an excellent message to end on. I couldn't agree more. Thank you so much. Um, just a, a quick, uh, another announcement here. Uh, we are still, uh, Palkus is still accepting donations to sponsor meals for the elderly. Uh, if you can go to our website, palkus.org slash sponsor a meal. And we are providing these donations to organizations such as MAPS, uh, Immigrants Assistance Center, Posu and Valer, who are feeding the elderly um, and taking care of them, you know, during this pandemic. All these webinars are archived uh, on Palkus website and as well as YouTube. And now this one will be on our Facebook page as well because we were live. Um, There are opportunities to sponsor the webinar. So if you're interested in that, please let us know. And with that, we're going to call it a day, but thank you again, Elsie. Thank you everybody out there for watching and listening. And until next time. Thank you. Keep up the great work. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Politicus the official podcast of PALCUS, the Portuguese American Leadership Council of the United States. PALCUS is the premier national organization representing the interests of the Portuguese American community at large. To learn more about PALCUS and how to become a member or to make a donation, visit www.palcus.org. To submit feedback or suggestions about the podcast, email us at palcus@palcus.org. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts and guests of the show are not endorsed by Palkus. Politicus is made possible through the support of the Luso-American Development Foundation.